Hi, welcome to Agora Community Radio, the podcast for artists in the animation industry who want to listen and learn on the go. This episode is from our A Conversation With series, where we invite pros from all walks of our industry to have a chat with us about their background and experiences, and then we finish it off with a little Q&A from the audience. You can always head on over to our website, agora.community, to watch the full video, or if you just want to listen to what we think are the most interesting bits and pieces of these conversations, you can listen to the Agora Bytes clips on this channel. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another conversation with. So uh, Brent is not here today. So I'll actually be hosting this this conversation. And I have, I'll have our own uh, Jacob Gardner with me to co-host today, uh, which actually I'm going to bring him right now. Hey, Jacob. Hello. Hello again. The last time Hello that we were again. co-hosting the, those uh, stream with when we had uh, Alexis and it, it went pretty well. So let's uh, let's do that again. Let's give it another shot. Yeah, I uh, actually have the chance to have Pierre Purifel with us today. He's actually the first guest that we'll have for a second time uh, at our stream. So that's already <laughs> a pretty cool uh, achievement. Um, also the director of Bad Guys that was released two weeks ago uh, and had some great success to, to see the least. And last disclaimer, both Jacob and I uh, had the chance to work with Pierre when we were at DreamWorks. So uh, another little uh, reunion uh, here. So um, so welcome, Jacob, once again to, to the stream. Let's do this. Excited. Let's yep. do it. All right. Let's bring Pierre. Pierre, <laughs> I'm glad to. We, we almost didn't have you due to the technical gods that were not on, uh, on our side, but we, we found a, a way to, to do it. So thanks for accepting our invitation for a second time. Thanks, you guys. How are you? <laughs> Good to see you. Yeah. So, right back at you. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's been a while, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the, the last time we, we spoke about a lot of different topics and, and, you know, more, you know, animation and directing and your career in, in general. But now with the release of, of Bad Guy, it felt like a, appropriate to, hey, let's have another discussion, but now more focus on uh, this thing. And perhaps there were some elements that you couldn't uh, discuss uh, the, the last time that, that we spoke. But just to start with, how were the last few weeks for you? Because it's, it's the first time that you go through the experience of, hey, directing a big movie that is now released with the red carpet and everything. So how, how was the last few weeks for, for you? Yeah, it's pretty crazy, of course. I mean, I mean, the thing the thing is, you know, you work on those those projects for so long and uh and you you see them evolve you see, you see them kind of uh, you know unravel not unravel but just like build itself and and there is that moment in time when you're like okay the movie is done and then you have after that you have you know dcp to produce and then so you do a qc check and then you have the 3d version to qc you do a qc check and then you have the sound and so the moment where you say the movie is finished the production is finished you still have a couple of months or, or four or six weeks just to see your movie over and over and over and over again mm -hmm. <laughs> to the point where you're like done with it you know sick of it <laughs> and then you have all the promotion and everything you have to do after that which which uh, you know took took up to takes a little also quite a bit of time so uh but no incredibly proud of of, of releasing it and incredibly pr proud of uh how it's been received really frankly because um you know people people are really digging it um they they really like the 
kind of the flavor we brought with it and, and the, the the style we we tried to establish and people understood it so no it's it's a uh, it's uh it's, it's just fantastic but now i'm seeing the okay this is done and then now i can just start just you know, relax and, and, and this <laughs> my time a little bit uh, but it's a good feeling it's a fantastic feeling of course awesome cool yeah you, you mentioned the uh the marketing stuff your face is all over my facebook feed with those videos I know, and I know. like <laughs> teaching the actors how to draw their characters and things like that i'm actually curious do you come up with those ideas or does someone pitch you that idea of like teaching the actors how to draw their characters Usually the, the, the marketing publicity department specifically will come to you and say, we want to do this, we want to do that. And they, they get they get their game down, really. You know, they, they they do studies and they know what kind of works and what doesn't work, you know, specifically mm -hmm. in terms of social medias and how they can promote the film uh, using, you know, the talents, whether it's the cast, whether it's, it's me, myself, or, or, you know, some some uh, some of the, you know, uh, heads of departments, you know, Luke or, yeah. or Floriano and and usually they you know they, they usually come up with those ideas and we can we can sometimes say hey what if we did this or what if we did yeah. that and they they're super open to it that's super but, uh, cool i don't remember many other directors being part of the marketing materials usually they're a little bit more behind the scenes so let's go cool see you out there i don't know it's my first rodeo so i just <laughs> i don't know how it used to be. oh but, but also you know there's a possibility too that that's the um, that that one is the first uh original that we release under the banner of Universal and produced by Universal and okay. DreamWorks. And so maybe it's a, it might be a different team, you know, that just decided just to um, to really embrace it this way. And maybe that's their way of doing it, which I'm super happy about and super okay. happy to do that. But it's true that it's very funny because it's a whole side of the job that I didn't expect to do. <laughs> just now you need to go in front of a camera and do all this stuff. But um, <laughs> but it, it's actually quite fun. It's actually quite fun. Yeah, that, that was my question. Is that something that is quite stressful that you could have done without or you were happy to participate and just explore this this new, you know, facet of the reality of directing? Of directing? No, I, I was uh, obviously I wanted to give it give it all for the film. So, you know, it's like whatever they wanted me to do, I would gladly do it, you know, so that we can promote the movie as much as we could, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but but yeah, it's true that you're not really uh, uh, prepared to it. I mean, I was not. Uh, but then after the years of, you know, being able to uh, lead teams and and uh, and uh, kind of speak in public, all of this kind of stuff, you get more and more comfortable with it. And also, you know, your material so perfectly well, it's pretty easy to talk about it. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I was not I was not expecting expecting as much, you know, it's, it's quite, uh, <laughs> it's quite fun. Um, I'm also curious, what, what was your um uh because i mean it's it, it seems to be both a critical success the last time i checked it was at 87 percent on rotten tomato which is super high and it's been two weeks in a row a number one at the box office as well so you know kind of critical success and you know uh commercial success uh, uh as well is how confident were you about the the film did you have a, a good feeling that oh i think it's going to be really good and well received and all that or are you always uncertain about how it's going to uh, unfold no i think i knew that the movie was was a good movie um you can kind of feel it you know and and one of the really good marker of it i mean again it's a super biased opinion it's your own opinion obviously but um <laughs> but but the whole studio and the team was very excited about it um and 
and one of the good uh, sign that it was um, a fun film and a good film was the fact that I could, because when you when you finish the film, you basically you know check every single sequence over and over and over. You know whether it's in lighting, in in final in image funneling, in uh, in uh, in color correction and sound check and everything. So you see them so many times. And if you don't like your movie or you think it's bad, my God, that must be torture, you know? And it was not the case for me. I was like, okay, this one, okay, I can just watch it over and over. I still kind of like it. Um, so I was like, okay, I think I'm confident it's a good, it's a good film, you know? And I, I was, I was in that, in that sense, pretty confident. So releasing it and I knew it was new. So the, there's a few things. The first one was, okay, are people going to dig the look? you know, and, and the, 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 what we try to do with it. But we released the trailer in December and immediately the response was, oh my God, this is different. This looks great, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, on that front, I was like, okay, that, that's at least that's working. Uh, and then story-wise, uh, people started watching it. We, did, we, we had pre, you know, uh, pre-screening or early screenings and, and, and there was like a great reaction every single time. So I was like, oh, okay, I think, not it's not just liking the film like when we show it it's also quite quite uh beloved and then you see the the critics come down and the reviews and they're mostly positive you know and so and so that's okay that same thing it kind of it can it kind of uh set, settles you down and you're like okay this should be fine now every now and then you have a review that you read and it's like you know somebody who didn't necessarily like the film uh and those are like it's obviously okay because you're like yeah you can't please anybody which is which is fine it's more like oftentimes it's more the way it's written mm. that is a bit more uh difficult to take right. to take on yeah. because like it sometimes it could be like direct you know a little bit of a spike it's like it's, it hurts because it's so personal i mean in a way you know it's mm -hmm. not just yeah i didn't like this movie i didn't connect with this like no it's bad it's like lack of imagination whatever it is I'm like come on you guys i mean <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's it's uh it's it's almost meant to be brutal you know and so for, for no real reason but that's that's the way the game works too so yeah so that's the it's it's kind of what's been happening you know so the, the movie in terms of uh how playable and good it was i was not too uh too um you know afraid of of it having a bad review i mean i was like okay 75 and above i'd be fine with that you know yeah and, and in fact 87 is pretty phenomenal pretty great uh and, yeah. and the the audience rating is pretty super high as well now in terms of box office a different question because the the bigger problem we had was you know releasing an original film at this point you know when theaters have, have been such deep you know trouble over the last couple of years and then streaming has, has taken off and and everything the only thing that really works in theaters really well are like franchises or sequels uh and then you release an, an original film and despite all the marketing campaign that's been done and the, you know, the box office, even though we're first, you know, or number one box office is not, you know, box office that used to be there three or four years ago. So that's, that's the new reality of thing. And that's something we need to adjust and, and adapt to it. Um, and, uh, but again, it's still a good, it's still a good score mm -hmm. given the circumstances. But again, you have that score three years ago, four years ago, it would be like a failure, you know? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah. Did, did you have any did you have any specific suggestion or training from the marketing department in terms of how to deal with uh, because I can imagine that you start to read every different critique and, and as you said even if it's 
super well rated for 90%, there's those few comments that will come and get you. Is there any kind of training for, for, for that? I'm telling you, you don't read every single critic. You read just the bad one. You don't care about the good. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. It's, it's the human brain. It's like uh -huh. you just see the problems, you know, all the... <laughs> what's what's not the negative no um no i, I think after a while you um you kind of detach yourself a little bit from it um also because i think it was such a communal adventure you know the whole the whole film is not you know resting on my shoulders in the sense of it was just my idea and i wanted to do it this way and taking full response no it was like i wanted to share with the team that we had and then everybody just so dove in and just was there with with me and damon and and really in the in the with with the the, the desire to make something different and so it felt like it's a it's a big mm. uh, communal experience and therefore i think we're all sharing the you know the the good and the bad and at least this is the way i'm i'm i'm, I'm seeing it even though you know you, yeah. you own your movie and you, you just advertise it this way but in a way deep down i'm like okay this this is this is a, a studio film you know this is something that we you can't completely control and everybody's like on board with that and you know the drill from the beginning and so um so the the, the bad critics kind of uh or the, the bad reviews also ring true at some and some and some aspects you know you're like okay yeah i can see that i can see why and i can see this for sure not working and 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 I agree with it. The one that really hurts are the one that feel like unfair. You know, that's what I was saying. Like yeah. Unfair in the sense of the way it's written is just like meant to be harmful. And then you're like, that doesn't need to be this painful, you know, or, or how. I totally understand that it's not made for everybody. And I get that. No problem, of course. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned it, it's really a uh, group effort. And, and that's always something that that I've been, uh, you know, dealing with uh, uh, at some point uh, when I've been directing a little bit and always was wondering if every director is because when you're a director, you are bombarded with, uh, you know, suggestion requests. And so so you want to be inclusive to make sure that everyone feel that they are part of this. But at the same time, you're the gatekeeper of the vision yeah. that, that you have. So. Can you speak a little bit in terms of how did you manage to be the filter of, yes, I want to be open to all of the ideas and I'm not going to give the impression that just leave me alone and do my film. But at the same time, you cannot accept every idea and you, you need to kind of filter it somehow. So how, how did you dealt with, with this part? Yeah, there's, there's a few different aspects to it. The first one is uh, you need it, having, having a vision that's pretty clear for yourself. Uh, and discussing that with you know producers in the studio is is uh, quite important. But at least you have a vision of what you want to see, and what kind of story we want to tell. But that vision doesn't need to be incredibly precise in the sense of you, you need to hit the hit the bullseye, you know, a bullseye right, you know, spot on. You know, it's kind of a, a more of a moving target a little bit, but it's uh, it's still a target. You're going in a very specific direction. But within that direction, you can just fluctuate and you can adjust and you can and, and you can uh, you can you can make changes, you know. So I had that 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 vision very clear in my head right away. And so anything that didn't go towards that, you know, I would say, well, this is not where I'm going. So, no, we don't need to uh, we don't need to go there. And people really quickly understood where we were going because I was pretty clear and trying to explain it, you know, and so everybody was kind of on board geared towards that direction. Um, 
And then the other thing is like, uh, people would suggest and give you ideas and we've always been like incredibly open to any ideas from anyone. Um, but you're kind of the only one who really knows everything, you know, even, and, and that could be anybody but in this case, and that's the job of the director really, and the producer to an extent, but you know, every single step and you know, every single little stone that you put one after the other to lead you to some specific place. And so therefore, even if an idea comes to you, you're in a rare position where you can say, yes, that would work or no, that can't work because this and this and this. But at no point was it like uh, from anybody, especially not from me, the, the, the pushing back saying, this is a bad idea. Any idea is a good idea. It just doesn't fit. That happened to not fit there or it's not my taste or, but every time I could explain why, uh, and if it was a good idea, I was really good in, going to consider it. And, and a lot of those ideas just ended up being taken in and, and, and put into the, the final movie, you know? And again, it, it, a lot of them came from anywhere. But what it does, though, when you really listen to everybody and all your collaborators, is that they can let out of their chest something that can be, you know, either creative or something that's been bothering them, and they can say it. Uh, and once they do, they feel liberated. Uh, and 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 if on top of that, it ends up being like, uh, you know, adopted. Uh, I mean, it's incre incredibly, you know, energizing for everybody. And so. By doing that, I feel like it's it's all about strengthening the whole team and just you know you know having like a team that's so well cemented together and so uh, it's kind of how it felt on 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 the, on the film and and I'm super happy about it because what it does again it makes you I always say this analogy is like uh, it's 420 70 people I think worked on the did the production of, of the film and so to me it's like 470 brains as opposed to one you know mm. and that's that's so much more powerful. Believe my brain is not that powerful. So you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's the thing. It's really just uh, the the strength of having very talent. Because again, everybody's so passionate and so talented and so professional. Just using that power is is just so liberating and, and, and incredible. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, you have such an amazing team working with you, and oh, yeah. you are an animator as well. So, was there any part of you that wanted to have a little bit more into the animation, or you wanted to animate a shot, or are you able to step completely back and say, "Everyone else can do all this, so that I can see through the bigger vision, and I won't touch animation in that way"? No, yeah, I think it's more the the the, the latter. Uh, yeah, the right. The last thing, yeah, yeah. You're uh, able to do that. I would have loved to animate a shot. <laughs> Turns out it was impossible for me to uh, to even take the time to learn the rigs and and uh, and uh, and leave free some time to even do one. You know, um, I animated one mini thing. You know, it was two D animation. Really, it wasn't. Uh, you wanted last... your name in the animation crew. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was the last thing moving on screen. Really, like three little birds flying. Um, so barely, barely anything, frankly, but, um, um, no, I mean, I know animation so well in a sense, and also I knew the team so well, especially the soups and, and JP obviously and, and Jorge, mm -hmm. uh, that they had my full trust. The one thing that I was really, uh, uh kind of, uh, wanting to, um, to keep an eye on was the style because the style was a little different from what we had done so before. Uh, and really wanted to make sure that JP and I and, and Jorge could guide the, the, the teams 
and own that silence so that they understood it. And so JP's done an amazing work at just breaking it down and really trying to explain it to to the whole team. Um, and and I, you know, I think maybe on the first, it's always the same thing, right? The first couple of sequences are always going to be slower. Two, three, four sequences are always going to be slower in the execution because everybody gets kind of used to the rigs and used to the style and, and production manages to just give you more time anyway to do it. And so you're a bit more on them, um, uh, really just like be focused on that and making sure that that works. Um, and and after that, when it starts being like a, more like a, they, they've adjusted to it and they and they can they can flow with it or roll with it, then then it becomes a little a lot easier. But again, those teams are so you know professional. I mean, they are. I mean, you, you get were there. And you know exactly what it is. You know you. You give a note, the note is done, it's addressed, it's actually elevating the, sh the shot, it's like spot on, you know, and then you do another round and then it's clean up. And so it's like incredibly efficient. Um, my, m most of my work was making sure that I launch the, the animators, you know, very properly. And the, every time I launched them was all about launching an actor and not, you know, there was no launching about you know do this pose do that face do that no it's just about this is the emotion this is the, uh, the kind of timing i'm looking for this is kind of the emotion of the character this is where the character is in the film at this point you know in this sequence mm -hmm. um and of course you know some stage direction obviously uh, but but it was not like uh like a soup animator directing an animator it was really like directing broader strokes you know yeah. And then after that, on the shot uh, with things sketch, I would just sketch over because I wanted to. Okay, now that you have your idea, let's expand on it. And this is the kind of posing that I'm looking for. Maybe we can add this idea, or maybe we can add that idea. Um, but it was it was really um, trusting the team, and they've done fantastic again. You know. But was it, <clears throat> was there any temptation, Pierre, to micromanage uh, a, a little bit because that's one of the the some of the animation supervisor, animation director that became director. Yeah. It's one of the things at times that is observed that, you know, as an animator, you kind of build this muscle that, you know, you, you yeah, see yeah. exactly where you want to go. And sometimes uh, the professional deformation when you become a director is that you tell animators exactly what you see and for them to do that. So was there any yeah. temptation to do it and say, no, I have a clear idea in my mind, but I'm not going to describe this. I'm going to describe what is needed instead. Yeah, I think, I think some when I've got a clear, very clear idea of a shot and I want it very specifically, I launch it this way. Uh, it's not been the majority of those launches for sure. Uh, because at some point, you know, you, know, you have Ben who's leading uh, Wolf and he knows the character inside out. And so of course. you know that he's going to help. I mean, you know Ben. Um, and so, and, and that's the truth for every character really. Um, but there's a few shots where I was like, no, I know exactly what I want. I want I'm going to just sketch it out for you, launch the shot, match those or at least use that as a uh, as a as a template mm -hmm. i've done i think a couple of times micromanaging the shot you know um because I, it, it was not going where i wanted to go and it's been a disaster for me to do that and so <laughs> really quickly i was like all right no more you guys do your process uh, because because you know it's uh it's not so explain why, why why is it was that a, a disaster each time i'm curious because because you're trying to force an idea on an artist who's already got his own idea uh and you're trying to just sh instead of scrapping the shot and redoing it like with like very precise instructions you know do it this way this is exactly what i want you're trying to just control that person i mean as a soup 
supervising animators and uh, head of animation, same thing. If you start doing this, you're trying to force that person to do something they are not comfortable doing. Uh, and and uh, it, it usually gives you not the right result. You know, it makes the shot worse unless you scrap and again, do it again or do it yourself. But just really forcing an idea, like many ideas are like holding somebody's hand to do what you have in your head doesn't work. It, I mean, it, it's clearly a recipe for something that's for disaster, frankly. Um, so sketching over, that's fine. Uh, like big, big ideas or just, you know, being really precise for polishing, that's fine too. But like in terms of the acting itself or the, the intention of a shot, if an animator has an idea and and you're trying to force to force it towards something else that you feel is better. Um, you, you, I think it's better to say, no, this is not what I want. This is not the emotion that I'm feeling. Uh, and in terms of staging, I would like something more like this, as opposed to say, yeah, but a little bit more like this. Okay, no, just push that a little more here. I'll just like, you know, that's the difference to me. And again, done it a couple of times, the, the shots ended up being less good than they were even at the first pass, you know. Um, I've also, even in the art department, when we started, you know, I had such a clear vision on, on what I wanted. Uh, Luke and I, Luke is a production designer, Luke de Marchelier, um, we started to establish the, the, the style, but, but at, the, at the very beginning, it was, it was uh, kind of wait, you know, waiting for my approval on every little steps, you know, and so therefore I, it ended up being me micromanaging what he was doing uh, because, because again, I was probably too, um, too, too, too precise on what I wanted, even though I didn't know what it would look like in 3d. Right. And so, and of course it's like, you're too precise because it's your own way of doing things. But when somebody else is doing it, you know, it's never going to be exactly what you want. And so until I said at some point, you know what, look, just take it on. You understand what I want. Just like, and it was so freeing for him. And then everything just started moving. It's like, oh, so liberating. Okay. I got it. Yeah. you know and i'm like go for it i trust you you know just you, you got it no problem and i think at this point it's just liberated everything you know so these two experiences mm -hmm. were like nope micromanaging no more <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow can you talk a little bit more about finding the style that it's it's so unique and different from a lot of things that dreamworks has done in the past or other uh feature films as well talk about developing that style with jp and and how that all came to be you're talking specifically for animation, right? Animation style, yeah. Sorry, animation style, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this this is a style that I've uh, kind of grew up with, you know. Um, I mean, I kind of talked at length about the influences I had for this film, but it was, you know, really something that I have been impregnated with in my whole life, really. Just a little bit of a French taste, and uh, because because if you look at the poses of the character, even the character design, it's, it's a lot about Franquin, it's a lot about Christophe Blanc and all these kind of, you know, graphic novels that I grew up with, and you blend that and mix it with some French animation flavor and a little bit of the Japanese animation as well. Um, it has a lot of the, you know, My Neighbor Yamada or, you know, Lupin or, or you know, um, Miyazaki's kind of old school, a little bit style in there, like goofier than his realistic uh, work. Um, designs are very influenced by, you know, some of the, you know, um, Toriyama's work, which is Dragon Ball, but the, you know, the cuteness of that. So it's that kind of that mix. And that was very personal because this is kind of the way I draw as well a little bit. Um, 
And I wanted to see that. And one of the big inspiration was Ernest and Celestine. Um, and so when you show that to the uh, to the animators here who are these days a bit more trained to uh, to use a lot of video reference and uh, and and play on more realistic type of acting, even though we push it and stylize it, but it's much more fluid. It's much more uh, you know, yeah, again, a bit more realistic. I wanted that to be much more stylized and, and caricaturized, and and a lot of it just holds in the pose. A lot of it also comes if you look at uh, uh, Japanese animation. You know, they they do broad keys, but also they are very. You know, once you actually you storyboard yourself, what you do is just try to find the poses that are the most uh, selling store in terms of storytelling for a shot. Um, and and so being a storyboarder myself, just doing a lot of that, you know, you 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 have that very uh, you think differently than when you animate. You think much more in just big keys, you know. And this is storytelling pose. This is storytelling pose, and that's all I need. I don't need more than that. And so therefore, you stylize everything, and you make everything just much more uh, clear in a way very quickly. And I think that's kind of the spirit I wanted the the teams to kind of. Uh, um, understand or or own you know it's like how can you tell a shot with just a few poses that are very fun and very well crafted and just stay there you know don't do don't overdo it don't over uh, act or don't i mean overact maybe not it was maybe not pushed acting for sure we had a lot of that but overact in terms of the amount of poses was not strip that out strip that out. we don't need that much um and then the animation style was very much linked with the design and uh, the spacing of things, you know. So it was, uh, first of all, very specific posing that I wanted, which is very, again, uh, from those references, like, uh, you know, arms like this, legs like that, big faces, and just stay there. Just like, as long as it makes you smile when you pose or even <laughs> giggle, that's great. You got it, you know. Uh, so that was the idea. And then so it was all about pushing the animators to understand that um you know what would be a funny pose how could you craft a funny pose uh and and stay within that pose uh and then in terms of the of the spacing of things it was really about holding that pose and kind of zipping in between them a little bit more and just like eliminating in-betweens uh and just doing like almost like very tight moving holds mm -hmm. uh and therefore in when when it was supposed to be moving fast we'd use like speed lines or animation lines in between i was going to ask more about that yeah, how, how do you yeah. incorporate the 2D elements and the speed lines? 2D elements. So, uh, so what happened is JP kind of broke it down, broke down the the whole um, animation style with like very precise examples. You know, send that to every animator so they understood it. You know, okay, now you just push your poses, push your spacing, and then he would personally go back into every shot once it was lit in the, in a primo in our you know in our software. And just draw over, you know, on the shot that would need speed lines or anim, anim lines, he would just draw over himself or paint over just so you get that feeling of 2D on top of 3D. But it had to be after the shot was lit so that he could pick up the, the right color, you know, it paint over. So it's like a lo he's been doing so much of this. 90% uh, of it is him, really, and uh, spending a lot of time doing that himself, which is, again, and he had a blast doing it, by the way, you should ask him. Uh, <laughs> but he learned so much doing that. It was like, at the end, he was like so good at like just, just figuring out those shapes. And, um, and so, but that's kind of where, that's kind of an interesting, uh, 
you know, it's an interesting blend because you have that style that is not completely uh, Japanese, not completely American. It's kind of our own bad guy style in a way. Uh, and, and it's all about, you know, having an idea, a vision for that style that JP and I shared from the beginning. And then get the teams to kind of understand and absorb that style. Uh, and then they own it. And after a while, you know, it becomes its own thing, which is super interesting. Uh, but there was like stuff that were also inherent to the design of the characters that, you know, you couldn't, uh, you couldn't have animated it any differently. You know, it had, you know, the small little dots for, for, for the eye, for the pupil, as opposed to like, you know, everything you can do is like full on irises and, 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 uh, and, and pupils or the shape of the eyes themselves, or, you know, the, 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 the change of teeth that we always did, you know, there's so many things that just pushes you to be a bit more cartoony. Mm -hmm. Was it a big learning curve for, for the uh, animation team uh, at first to learn? Because at, at DreamWorks, they, from project to project, the, the, the style definitely uh, changes uh, yeah. as well. So was there, was there a lot of training uh, at first? And did you feel that the, the velocity of the team really ramp up? Uh, ramp up? No, they, yeah, no, no, no. Of course, it, it, it obviously, you know, after a few sequences, they're in it. You know, and but that it's it's like a, every single time, you know. I mean, your your best shot is your last shot, as usual. You guys know that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got it. End operation done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's 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 really they got it really rather quickly. But it also depends on who you know. And some mm -hmm. animators are better, you know, in that style than others. Um, and so, you know, you then use these guys to actually show, you know, specific shots um, to guide the rest and just inspire the rest of the team. Um, but what we did is we used Jorge Capote um, very early on to do drawers on the designs, on the models, on the rigs. And then he was there to draw over on every shot, basically. And then at some point, he decided to, uh, he wanted to do some animation himself. And so we gave him like full on chunks of, of shots rather early so that he could animate those in his style because he's so versed into that style. And that those became benchmarks of, okay, there that's what we love, you know, that's what we like to do. And so people were looking at those super inspired and then just build upon that. And then, you know, and after a while, you know, very quickly, I'd say a third into it, you know, people were just so fluid, fluent with the style. And then, and then, you know, and then expand. And then you, you come up with shots of like, oh my God, I didn't think of it. That was amazing, like such great <laughs> ideas. You know? and, and if you look at the movie, like every shot, you can tell it's an animated uh, kind of film, you know, it's like having really a lot of fun with animation. But every shot has a small idea, you know, every single one of them, whether it's like on the main character that's talking or it's, a, it's something in the background, there's always a small idea somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, something I'm always interested uh, in is the uh, relationship between uh, the director and, and producers, because often, and that that's a place that I've often observed friction because the director's job is to make the best money movie possible the producer's job is to make sure that you ship on time and on budget that you don't lose completely control of the deadlines and all that um how how was it for for uh, for you with the uh, production team and was it a a kind of push-pull relationship or it was more like no let's all be in sync and uh, we're all in this together i think i think your definition of producer is a little off um, and that's what I discovered because that's what I kind of believed as well. Uh, to me, the, the, the job of a producer is to protect the director, to deliver his vision within a budget. 
So that's a real job to me. Like, because producers usually are the ones coming up with the uh, project oftentimes. I mean, not often, but yes, yeah, actually quite often. They, they come up with the idea and they want to develop something and they bring the director in for his vision. And their job is really to say, I trust you, let's do it together. And then protecting him to be able to do that within the boundaries of, you know, the budget allocated and the time frame and all of this. Uh, and that's really what happened for us because, um, so Damon and I, we had worked a little bit on, on the project before called Spooky Jack, which didn't happen. And then this started with this journey together on this one. Uh, and he really, you know, uh, it, it was his first time producing a film, but he comes from a creative side as well. Uh, and so he was really just on board with the vision. Um, and at first, you know, you need to adjust, you know, personalities, you need to adjust like vision and everything. But once we did, like it became such a, a fantastic experience because he was there to really protect what I wanted to do. Uh, and then, and then therefore on my end, it was like, because he was so, uh, in a great way trying to protect what I was doing, uh, and understand also what the studio was asking. Um, but, but because he was so generous, you know, I was able just to, uh, you know, really bring him into the creative process and just really listening to what he was, um, he had to say, and it was always great input, you know? So we ended up having almost like a director, co-director kind of relationship. Uh, and that was, to me, that's ideal. And on top of that, we became really close. Uh, and then we had Rebecca Huntley, who was there to, on her end, to be a little bit more on the, you know, producing per se, what you were saying, like, like making sure that we stay on time, stay on budget. But same thing, she was always so um, uh, happy about what we are trying to do and just excited about the, the vision we had. Uh, and therefore trying to protect that as well and just adapt her system as much as she could so that we could do whatever we wanted to do because everybody wanted to do that. And so everybody wants to give you, everybody has the same goal anyway. The same goal is like <laughs> make the best movie you can. And as long as you manage to get everyone, it's just a human experience really. So as long as you manage to get everyone on the same page and trying to go there happily, merrily, you know, uh, people are excited about it. And so that's kind of, what she was doing as well, trying to, you know, all right, I want to adapt everything so you can do whatever you want. And if it didn't work, she would come to me and say, okay, I got a problem here. Uh, can you help me out? Can we figure out a solution? And because I knew production so well, having worked in production for so long, as you know, um, I was really completely able to understand the problematics that she was mentioning. You know, okay, CFX needs more time or like crowds can't deliver this. How do we fix the complexity of this shot? And, uh, you know, you have too many characters per shot and all of these questions that I completely understood because I've been facing them for ever, really. And so <laughs> it was very quickly, for, very, very easy for me to just, uh, just have that dialogue with the, with, with the production teams um, and, and uh, help out or figure out solutions together, as opposed to fighting and saying, oh, fuck you, I'm just, I, I know what I'm doing and just figure it out. No, it was like, <laughs> all right, I understand your problematic. I want my movie to be done anyway. So what, how can we do that yeah. without killing the teams, you know? I'm always fascinated by the things that might have been different on a production. Like you said, they, they try to protect you and let you make the best movie possible within the restrictions you have. Are there any instances where there was something you wanted to do, a path you were going down that the restrictions wouldn't allow for it? So you had to change that. You found better solutions, more creative solutions within that restriction. And it would have been a very different thing if you were allowed to do that other thing. And so you're glad it didn't happen. Oh my God, that's a great question. Um... I'm sure it happened. 
Uh, I don't have that at the total. Nothing Maybe stands out, though. Yeah. Nothing stands <laughs> out as, as much. Um, what happened, frankly, is that um, we ended up being a movie with a lot of crowd characters, uh, background characters, much more than expected uh, at the beginning. And so we had to adjust for that, adapt for that. And also, I wanted to start of anim crowd animation um, that was different from especially when there was moving crowds like cops, you know, chasing them. I wanted something that felt like a, a blob of characters that's kind of indistinct and not every single character is detailed, you know? Uh, and I was like, they were like, how do we do this? <laughs> so that was tricky. <laughs> and I ended up having that kind of like at the end, there was big masses of guinea pigs. It's a blend of effects and, and crowds together. But like, you can't really see, like sometimes you see some details, sometimes you don't. Uh, which really fits this illustrated style because that was the point, you know? Um, so those kind of like massive, like big asks were full on dev and, and people are excited about those because it's new challenges. Um, but in terms of the sheer amount of crowds, it was not planned this way. So, and that's why also what happened is that I had Matt Bear, who's the VFX suit from the film, and we had worked together for so long on Monkeys and on, on, on Bilby and, and, and he, He's a kind of guy who is like, who does a cucumber, knows exactly what production is, uh, and is incredibly creative and, and, and so talented in terms of finding solutions. Uh, and always here just to just calm things down, take, take the, 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 the challenge in and just think about it and come with solutions. Um, and when he understand, understood that we had that much uh, uh, crowd, he was like, do we need to have the crowds moving all the time? everywhere i'm like yeah no we don't okay well what if you use like stand-ins like really low res characters like we do in video games basically you know we used to i don't know now but and just pepper them and just do tests on how close they could be from camera and and in the end you have like the whole crowd is like peppered with and those are not even crowd characters they are like basically assets that have been like laid in in, in final layout like placed in and you don't even see that uh, but it's a solution where I could have been like, eh, no, I don't want to do that. I want just everything to move. And that would have taken us to mm -hmm. like, a, uh, like yeah. probably much more, much more problems because, but it was really great on, on always stepping back and, and showing me, okay, you want your crowd characters full on. That means your third act explosion is going to look crap. What do you choose? I'm like, okay, <laughs> look, looking at it this way. I'm going to go for the explosion, you know? So, so that's, that's not really... when you flip the table and said, I want both. Like, and then I you storm both. out. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, as solution evolves, obviously, you know, the moment you arrive at the, the crowd shot that you wanted more, you're like, oh, actually, you have a bit more time. Let's do a bit more, you know? So it's always evolving. It's always, and, and the, the, really the point is to be patient and really accepting and, and all about, you know, knowing that you're all playing in the same team. Everyone wants your movie to be amazing. And so... Uh, you included, obviously, and so you're not fighting people. You're really just figuring out a solution as a team to get something awesome. And um, and in the studio as well, that's their movie. They're putting out this film to the world, and it's their studio, so they want it to be good as well. So the, everybody's really working. And once you understand that, and you're not just uh, the artist, you know, with the with a scarf thing. <laughs> I know, and you don't kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> then, then you, you know, and that's so important for me. And that's really the, the job of a director is really just to, uh, to, uh, to lead, uh, guide a little bit, but let people really express themselves, you know? Yeah.
You because you're, already... you're working with the best people in the world. And so why not use what they do, you know, use yeah. them for who they are, you know? You mentioned a little bit the uh, character de design. How much uh, uh, how much effort was there to try to respect the uh, uh, original book um, compared to just take the idea of the character and run with uh, with them? How, how much wa was it a part of the uh, initial creative process to uh, to develop the style? No, I think from the beginning when I jumped in, um, I mean there there had been some some uh, a, few, a little bit of this that done, but barely any that was trying to just respect the books uh, for me I, I think i had an idea very quickly on what i wanted to see it was probably my uh, my own wet dreams you know but um and so <laughs> so i knew where i wanted to go with it uh, and it was uh, you know bringing that my own influences to it but i also and also the books you know are you know and and aaron was part of the project from the beginning he's an ep on the film and we had discussions every you know month or so together just like okay what kind of liberties do i have where do we go and it was like go for it man but the point was uh, when you think as an animator and when you look at the books which are very stylized very to the point you know but you're you're, you're you don't have enough details to make that work as is you know just make for the big experience on the big screen you need you need you need a bit more than than the one the what the the drawings are and also you're also thinking i'm immediately i was thinking in terms of motion you know to me it was like okay how do i make that wolf move how to make a piranha with no legs move in a in the street and it's going to be so incredibly limiting how do i make those eyes look kind of uh, because they are supers on the side how like shark is going to look like this and if he wants to talk, I'm going to see just one eye. I mean, all of these questions I had in my head from the beginning. So it's just really is an animator's job to be able to anticipate the movement, right? And this is why quickly, you know, we kind of moved away from from Aaron's original designs and uh, and and kind of found our own. Even though, you know, the simplicity, the overall simplicity of the design uh, that we have kind of is reminiscent of the simplicity of his design. You know, we we didn't go incredibly uh, detailed on anything. Piranha is just a potato shape with two eyes and, and a big mouth and or peanut <laughs> shape. And so it's like we try to keep that like that that stylization, that simplicity, that cuteness that that came just straight from the books. Uh, but we we made it our own language. You know. Yeah. Um, you also mentioned that uh, you know you've worked with the uh, production team uh, previously, and maybe to go back uh, a little bit because this uh, this success story that you can enjoy right now has been a, a long time in in the making. So just to talk a little bit about patience and and resilience, uh, if we if we go back after Guardians and start from there, and what led you here? Can, can you? For everyone in the audience that are not aware of what happened, can, can you guide us through the, those past 10 years? <laughs> through hell? <laughs> no, it's not hell at all. No, but yeah, after Guardians, uh, I, I, I was, I went on to me and my shadow as a supervising animator, just doing 2D and 3D shots uh, and, guiding, and, and leading the team on that one. Um, you might have amazing. to explain what that is because I don't know that many people have heard of that. That's but... right, exactly. I know, I know. Yeah, between, we're between us, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, <clears throat> um, so I was a supervising animator on Guardians and then moved on as a supervising animator on Me and My Shadow. And Me and My Shadow is a story of, uh, I mean, it's, not, it's a story of that guy whose shadow, uh, you know, kind of 
becomes alive and kind of takes over and just starts puppeteering him. Uh, but the shadow was all the shadow world and all the shadows were animated in 2D animation, traditional animation, and the rest of the world was all 3D animation. And so that pipeline was incredibly complex to put together. Uh, and so we had 2D animation teams, 3D animation teams, and I was kind of could be doing both, so I was doing both. Um, and um, and the movie was great, and it directed by Alessandro Caloni. Uh, but I think for Jeffrey at the time, it felt a little too small. The scope was a bit too small, and so he decided to pull the, pull the plug. And also, frankly, I think the pipeline and was incredibly costly, and so it was it was we were burning a lot of money. So I think it's kind of a combination of both. So, but I worked on this for a year and a half. We had animated thirty percent of the film, and maybe a year. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But First little uh, heartbreak, and then, and then after me and my shadow, uh, Gabe Aldous, who was the head of animation for uh, Rise of the Guardians, uh, who was doing storyboard on Monkeys of Mumbai, which is uh, another project, you know, co actually tells the director of, of Monkeys, you know, Pierre could be a great Hoka. So they promoted me to be a Hoka uh, head of animation on. on on Monkeys of Mumbai, which was an incredible project. And also it was Kevin Lima directing it, who Kevin Lima was the director of Tarzan and Tarzan was the movie that, you know, made me want to do animation. And so I was like, oh my God, it's Kevin Lima. Yeah, it's great. Like a geek, full-on geek going into the project. And, but that project was awesome because it was also, um, that's when I started to really uh, connect with, you know, the modeling team and the rigging team as a head of animation, just redesigning some of the characters that had been designed and were not quite suited for animation, or not as appealing as they should be. So I reshaped quite a few characters, worked with Hyun Hu, the head of modeling, and we became super tight. That's when I met Matt Baer and like really working together and started that idea of just having a more of a, a kind of a circular workflow in terms of character creation. Uh, and the project got canceled again. I was going to say, so, again, you might have to explain again. what Monkeys of Mumbai is because not many people have heard of that movie. <laughs> not Monkeys of Mumbai. So Monkeys of Mumbai was a Bollywood uh, movie with monkeys. Uh, so it was a musical uh, in the style of Bollywood and same thing, like incredibly epic, uh, a bit too dramatic probably for the taste of the studio. And so I think it was so big and so vast, same thing. They were like, Jeffrey was like, no, pull the plug. Okay. So that's, that's the second one. And then and then I jumped onto Larrikins, which is uh, which was directed by Tim Mitchin. It was a it was a, a rock rock opera kind of thing set in Australia um, with the style of Tim Minchin in terms of the, the humor. Uh, and then I worked on this for close to two years on that one, I think. And same thing, but this time I, what I did was like really set up from the get go, really set up a team. Uh, a character room where we'd all be together and really developing those characters and just being like, a, you know, supervising, you know, Peter De at those concept designs. Uh, and then I would take over, just re, re redesign them so they really could fit with the 3D style, the animation style, be appealing, work with the modeling team, work with the texturing team, work, work with CFX and, and rigging and really be in that loop. Uh, and the animation team, obviously, when we had you know, it was just animals. So we had a biologist come over and give us the lessons. It was quite great, actually. We had a, we had a blast on this. We animated 25 or 30% of the film, 25% of the film. The studio get bought. And it was amazing. That movie was amazing. And the studio get bought by Universal. And the first thing they do is cancel the product. And so that was the one stab in the heart that too much, too many. You know, and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to... 
I, I can't stay here. It's too painful, you know, three in a row. Are you kidding me? <laughs> um, but I, I had acquired so much knowledge through this. But then because it, the studio had been um, bought by Universal, and this is not the, the movie they wanted to make anyway, uh, and that cancellation led to, you know, some gap time for everyone here. And so they decided to open a, a short film program uh, where we, you know, could pitch short movie ideas and and uh, and uh, and keep people busy, really experimenting with stuff. And so we had full on like a plethora of characters, incredibly well rigged, incredibly well done environments and everything from Larrikins. And then Leon Topaz come over and says, "Hey, got an idea for a short film. Do you want to pitch something?" It's like, oh man, we're back in this world. <laughs> Larry, I want to make peace hurt. with it. I, I cannot. I've been to <laughs> it's like, Yeah, exactly. He's like, no, but hear me out. And then he pitches me the story of Bilby. And I was like, oh, my, oh man, it's so good, you know. And so, <laughs> and, and what that did was, you know, he pitched me the idea. I pitched it to JP as well. And JP is like, yeah, I'm on board, man. And so the three of us decided to develop this together. And so I ended up storyboarding the film. Which I I'm not storyboarded in, in forever really since before DreamWorks, and so it brought me back into you know something. It brought again another experience that was incredibly you know uh, uh, fulfilling after going like from supervising animator to head of animation and head of animation to character creation room to storyboarding now and directing because we ended up directing the film. We pitched it and they they decided to give us a go and then we ended up directing it. So. Every single time, you just start to learn more and more and more. So even if it was painful, it was never, you know, to the point where I was like, I'm not learning anymore. It's just too frustrating. It was every time I was learning more and more and more. And so this is, I think this is where resilience came from, you know, uh, the fact that I was not getting bored, you know, and got the chance to be able to just expand. Uh, and so after Bilby, and it, uh, I told the studio, hey, look, I love directing. Can I, can I? try that again <laughs> i'm like well hang on a minute <laughs> okay maybe we'll see uh, but they put me on uh, uh they were developing curious george in live action and it was directed by uh, andrew adamson who, had, who was the director of uh, shrek and he wanted to uh, board the whole film even if it was live action board it like we do in animation and just put it up and see from the script if, if that's working and so i ended up um storyboarding on this quite a bit and really just like sharpening my my hand and my 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 storyboarding skills which was again led to another experience which is at some point they offered me to co-direct with david soren on spooky jack which i did but then the the story they, they, we were not in sync with the studio so they decided to just put that put that aside again oh but that <laughs> led me like four. <laughs> four, four. that led me to uh to actually have a bit of time to develop uh bad guys and for bad guys it kind of did a whole little mini trailer for it, which was all storyboarding. So it came all from that experience as well, uh, and then cut it together. And that's kind of letting led led letting to the uh, to the moment where the studio was like, "Oh, we really like this. You got a clear vision. You got you know you got a business presentation, you know." And then and then slowly just uh, deciding to embrace the project and make me director on this. But then after that, I had all that knowledge of just being with the creation character creation team the story team you know animation team obviously you know, so all of that i knew really really well and i directed bilby so i knew also all the sound design and music and script script and 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 um directors uh, uh, act, uh actors direction was the 
really the two things that I had not been really exposed to, you know, because we didn't have any actors on Bilby or Bailey and no script either. It was like all storyboarded. So, right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You've had quite an experience, uh, Dreamers, yeah, oh, yeah. with court oh, yeah. cancellations oh. and several years worth of work. That several years get out. Uh, year, years of work and uh and no credit between 2013 <laughs> and bilby <laughs> but it's 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 pretty uh you know crazy that each cancellation yeah it's almost like it was a step forward to, towards forward. Uh, directing and, and yeah. still the, this hunger that seems to always progress instead of being you know discouraged it was almost yes. a contrary is like okay now, third project cancel the next one. <laughs> that, makes sense. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the uh, the the passion, I think, and the optimism, and the and again, I think even though those projects were canceled, there's such a great community here that you know people that are so yeah uh, so strong and talented, and they always wanted to keep learning. And and I think sometimes it's just about taking the right opportunity at the right time, as we all know. You know, and and, and for yeah. some reason those were around me, and so. They gave me the chance, and I, I, I took it, um, and I don't regret it really, you know, because today is like, you know, just just amazing. Um, yeah. But it's true that after a few times, you're like, what do I do now? <laughs> like, <it's> <laughs> but <laughs> also when when you test, when you taste a little bit of what it is to, to you know to um, to lead teams, and and I love that very much, you know, just being a leader is like something that I really love because you're really influencing, you know. Having first of all, you really have a global point of view on a production, uh, but you're also really into the into the the understanding the dynamics of how a team works and just really be in connection with with your colleagues and friends, and that's something that I really like. So going back to just being an artist, sometimes it's great because you're like, oh, I need I need a rest, just animate and do nothing, you know. Yeah. But usually, after after a little bit of time, you're always like, oh, I want to go back into it. You know, this is another layer of your job that is quite uh, something that I I would have had a hard time kind of giving up on. And uh... yeah. So uh, Pierre, we have a lot of questions coming from. from oh yeah. Uh, from, like, right. and, I, and I say that we Sorry. have uh, half a uh, half an hour more. So let's go. We can through... do a lightning round. Can uh, I yeah, start us off round. with one question I have from my phone? Yes. Which was sure. uh, just how amazing was Ben Willis on this show? It was asked by Ben Willis. <laughs> well, Ben, you're my hero. Well, just need to know that. Awesome. All right, let's start with this one. Uh, what gave the idea of the costume during the sunny side ice? That was hilarious. You know what? That's a great question. So sunny side heist is a set piece that is very much uh, borrowed from the books where they are. Uh, I mean, it's a combination of two set pieces. One is in maybe the first or second book. In the first book, they try to just liberate, free up some dogs from a pond. And another book where they're trying to liberate some uh, some chicken. So it's kind of a combination of both. Um, uh, but the costumes, um, at some point, in the script, there was that idea they were supposed to be to be good. I mean, they were trying to be good, but it was even goofier than what we had. Um, and I was like, what if they they do that in pajamas, or somebody came up with that idea and and throw that out out there, not even really thinking much about it, to Julien, who was our character designer. And he was like, he came back the next day or, or next week, 
with sketches of them in onesies, which was not even mandated. Like he just came up with it and we laughed so hard, <laughs> so hard. They were so silly, those designs. We were like, okay, great. Let's let's use it. One way or another, let's use it. And then the idea came, all right, what if they do a heist in pajamas and they would be sleeping on the floor and whatnot? We didn't end up exactly doing this, but it was, I don't know. It was the kind of stuff that makes me laugh. Um, <laughs> it's stupid, but it, it's kind of a, it's it's really about not taking yourself too seriously. And and but he came from the from the character designer of the film studio. Yeah. yeah, so it's kind of the, the, those kind of happy accident that you mentioned that being Completely. combined the two ideas and exactly. see what fits and what doesn't. What fits. Awesome. Uh, all right. So in the book, society consisted of only animals. In the movie, that's been a mix with both humans and feral humanoids uh, animals. Why was that? So a few reasons. The first one was uh, from the beginning. It was we were. I wanted to do something that was different. Uh, the big idea in the film is that these in the books is that you know these are legendary characters. You know that we wrote stories about and we're afraid of. Um, and it really comes from a human standpoint. You know, when you write about the big bad wolf, it's a human idea. It's not. It's not. You know, another animal idea. And so I didn't want to end up with the idea that those were predators in a world of praise, and that would have been full on Zootopia. And so, first of all, that concept was not exactly what I was trying to 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 tell as a story. The, the story was like we are making we are we are having these characters that are prejudiced, or we are prejudiced against them. Um, so it was all about like stereotyping and, and and not about like prey and predators, you know. So it was that, and so therefore we are like, well, hang on. How would a giraffe react to a piranha? They wouldn't care. But we, as humans, we do care. And so therefore, this is why it's all about, for me, it's a metaphor of our fears. These characters are metaphors of our fears. And and it was important just to just get keep the rest of the world humans. So you really work on the, they're they really just like wearing masks. They are criminals wearing masks. You know, they're scary people wearing masks of animals. And therefore, and, 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 and marmalade is the, same thing is stereotyping when you stereotype something that cute, but is actually the opposite of that, yeah. you know? So, uh, it was important to, to keep the human standpoint on prejudice, basically. Yeah. All right. Let's go with this one. Um, in an interview or article, you had mentioned that the style of film was only possible because of the success of Into the Spider-Verse. Had the film not come out, do you think it would have been possible to have that specific style? So uh, I don't know if you if you remember or relate to, to this interview or article, but uh, if so, uh, can you touch on? Yeah, I think I mean it's impossible to answer the question obviously because Spider Verse is out. So, but um, <laughs> I think I think to me what it at least did is you know get the studio to understand the studios overall. To understand that we can do something that looks different that cg is not just about you know realistic lighting realistic textures and disney style uh, design character design it's like it could be anything um and 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 it just really showed the potential of opening the the, the, the looks to many many different styles you know and and they did it on a big scale and it worked and i think that's why that's why i'm saying this i think it was if it was not thanks you know if it was not for uh spider-verse i'm not sure this this new wave of, because we're not the only one by the way mitchell's did it mm -hmm. and then turning red to an extent not to the same degree but a little bit kind of did it 
you know, and you can tell that there is a need or a demand from filmmakers and, and new creators to actually go there. Um, I don't know without Spider-Verse if that would have happened, um, but it feel like it was a nice, uh, a nice boost for all of us to try that. It's not that, I'm not saying that we had the idea thanks to Spider-Verse, the idea of making something different. A lot of us have, have, have wanted to do that for a long, long time, obviously, mm. but they did it first. And I think because it was so successful, one on FCAR, the studios are a lot more open to the idea of doing yeah. that. So With, the, did the, you have full support, sorry, of the studio uh, oh, yeah. the whole time? Full support. Did, full support. Yeah, that was actually yeah. the next question. So that a yeah. perfect segue. Was it difficult to get approval from the corporate uh, corporate side of uh, DreamWorks to, to go to business mm, style? No, because Again, I, what I did was like with Luke uh, and Damon, who just put a presentation that was incredibly just uh, comprehensive. You know, I had that trailer, we had the script. And uh, Luke and I really put together a visual presentation saying, this is what we want to do. It's going to be more illustrative, blah, blah, blah. And then quickly after that, did a dev test, like a look test and three, four shots, uh, all done in like uh, Photoshop and Maya, basically saying, this is where we're on the go. Um, and the studio always was like, okay, great. Yeah, let's try that. Uh, and they never fought us on any of that, ever. Mm. So I think kudos to them again. Uh, it's, you know, because the vision was so clear, but also they were wanting to, you know, make it a bit of a leap of faith. Um, but from the beginning, it was like, you know, I, I'm trying just to uh, change a little bit of what DreamWorks does, you know, and, uh, and they were, yeah. And, and, and again, also they, you have to remember, they, you know, Margie and Christine arrived at that point, you know, they 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 were you know the new heads of the studio and they also same thing kind of want to bring their brand to it you know mm -hmm. so so they completely embraced the idea and and, uh, and went for it awesome um this one more about uh, character uh, development what inspired the chemistry uh, between the characters um so there's uh, there's a couple of things you know, I think there is, first of all, uh, let's, let's rewind a little bit. First of all, the, the, the very first idea was, um, the very first idea, but in the script, it was, the first script was a little, a lot more, uh, gag driven, let's say. Um, and so from that script, I kind of expanded to that little trailer. Okay. We've got an idea and that trailer just, we want to do heist movie, you know, version 11 uh Tarantino mostly Ocean 11 in that sense um and then when you think back you're like well Ocean 11 is it's so it's so much in the plot you know everything is really in the plot and the magic trick of the the heist itself you know there's a little bit of character moments I mean it's very funny it's incredibly well written and I love that movie but I think in terms of character emotional arc there's not that much a little bit between Danny Ocean and, and Julia Roberts I mean George Green and Julia Roberts and but it was mostly a relationship between the characters, but not really big emotional arc. So we quickly realized, okay, we need an emotional, you know, growth for Mr. Wolf uh, and 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 for the rest of the gang as well. So just adding that helps connect your characters, you know, because you're a bit more like emotionally invested with them. Uh, and then and then the other thing is like the realization that oh my god, but actually these guys could act. Kind of like a family you know so where wolf and snake are kind of the parents uh who's who i'm, I'm not sure we ever answered that question i think it's wolfie's mom and snake is dad but somebody some other people were like no this is anyway, it doesn't matter the other parents and they are basically splitting up uh and the rest the, the the rest of the gang 
was kind of a little bit more secondary in this story, uh, we kind of decided to act them to, to make them act more like the, the children. So Tarantula is kind of the teenage daughter, and then Shark is like the middle child, you know, not really knowing where he is. And then and then Piranha is like uh, an, an apologetic, an apologetically kind of a, the baby, you know, always late, not knowing anything. So that kind of dynamic uh, really helped us figure out the characters. Uh, understand how they could act and react uh, and and really just uh, uh, interact with, with each other. And and on top of that, we added that whole birthday idea, seeding that in from the beginning with Snake. And what that did was during all that action scene and throughout the whole film, you understand, you know, the, at least at the beginning, you really get the sense of they are like a family having fun together. Uh, and therefore, they're all about the the family and the and the, the friendship. And yes, they happen to rob banks, but it doesn't matter. And so therefore you like them, you like, you really love them for who they are. Hmm. Uh, and that really helped click within the characters, you know, with the characters. And then of course, you know, you have a little bit of a romance between Wolf and Diane, and that's pretty easy to do in a way. You know, even though Diane was quite hard to figure out, but once we had Zazie come in and Anthony uh, Gray, who started doing those tests, you're like, okay, she's gonna be amazing. And she is amazing. <laughs> awesome. Um, all right. Apart from the plot twist, best scene was when uh, Snake shed his skin to reveal his heist suit. suit. Uh, who thought of that? <laughs> I think that, that's famous. coming back to when we said good idea can come from everywhere. So where was this one specifically coming from? I think that was when that was one from from the story artist. All that sequence, what I did for that heist sequence was in the script was they are going into the museum, they steal the dolphin. Figure it out. And then I gave that story <laughs> artist. <laughs> and it was Matt, Matt Flynn and, and Catherine DeVries. And I said, okay, you know, you guys go study, you know, all those nice movies, Italian jobs or whatever. Just figure out the mechanics. They came back with the whole thing, pitched it to me uh, and to us, really. Uh, it was very early in production and it couldn't stop laughing. Couldn't stop laughing. And that idea was in there. And the, I'm having a baby was in there. I mean, all these ideas, they came up with it. Uh, and it was so, so funny, but at the same time, so real in terms of the mechanics of the heist. It works so well. It's pretty, pretty much untainted in, in the last, in the final, uh, in the final movie, you know, it's pretty much it. I think what changed was probably the, when she's hacking and, and they get trapped in the, in the whoopers and she's hacking all of this and, um, that change, that, that change and continue to evolve for quite a bit, but all up until then, the moment they enter to so the moment they get trapped. All of that was them to just figuring it out. Incredible. <laughs> cool. And awesome. most of the ideas were from them. You know. All right. Uh, was Wes Anderson's fantastic Mr. Fox one of the inspiration for creating the movie? No. No. I think I, I saw this movie a while ago. Uh, but no, it was not him. At some point, we were thinking of using Clooney for the voice. Uh, oh, at, asking Clooney. You don't use Clooney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just there. He's in the closet right there. there. You can go pick him up if you want. He's waiting for Perifel to come to call him, begging, begging for somewhere. No, um, um, no, but that would that would probably would have been the only link. Uh, but no, we didn't didn't use that as a reference. No. Okay. Our inspiration. Right. Another quick one. Uh, what influenced Mr. Wolf's character apart from Lupin? Um, I mean, uh, Lupin, Lupin, 
I mean, in, in terms of motion, there's there's some Lupin there, but it's, it was not really influenced by. I mean, no, that motion and uh, the the gentleman thief kind of idea in a goofy way, you know. Uh, but I wanted uh, wanted a character that went through quite a bit of a journey himself. So uh, obviously the the original books, you know, the book series, you know, even though he's not exactly uh, he's not exactly uh, he's more goofy in the books than he is in the in the movie. Um, influence wa was for sure a bit of Brad Pitt and Clooney for, from the Ocean series, um, and uh, a little bit of myself. Honestly, you always put a bit of yourself in your characters. Uh, there was um, there was um, Sam also just influenced Sam Rockwell influenced him a lot because I wanted a character that also had was not just flat, you know, in terms of emotion. He was able to go angry. He's, after all, he's the big bad wolf. So he could lose it. He could be sad or heartbroken or very goofy. But he's a character that puts on a mask, you know, kind of a big shield of presenting like suave and cool and and all tons of bravado and then when that he went faced with his own emotions or like not in control then it just everything goes goes sideways you know and, and then it becomes much more scrambly and a little little bit like Harrison Ford in you know Indiana Jones or Han Solo you know that character who's like feels like he's in control incredibly charming but at the same time he's not uh and so I mean all of these I mean it's very hard as a question because you know you go through so many iterations of a character like this so many rewrites so many uh I think, you know, obviously Ben brought in tons, you know, into the character and the way he moves. Um, uh, JP, you know, everyone kind of uh, helped build that up. But influences, yeah, it's a mishmash of a lot of things. Yeah, definitely. But, I mean, Lupin is a good influence for sure. Cowboy Bebop as well for the design. Yeah. You know, um, um, what's his name again? Uh, I mean, main character in Cowboy Bebop. Um, all right, another one going in a completely different direction. What do you tell someone who thinks animation is for kids, or is it a lost cause to bother with with it? No, I don't think it's a lost cause. I think uh, I think that person has not watched uh, enough animated films, and or is completely biased towards it. You know, but uh, clearly, animation is is uh, is a full on uh, medium, uh, not a genre, a medium, uh, and and has. Uh, a range of expressivity that you know live action doesn't i think yeah um and and i think you know we're gonna see more and more of uh, i hope so at least you know adult animation um and try to just change people's minds a little bit it's true that i mean again it's also fair to say that you know especially in in, in the u.s most or all of the animation is really geared towards families and younger audiences you know and so therefore you know it's also uh shooting yourself in the foot a little bit if you don't want to yeah. if you don't want to be associated with family audience well then also make some some yeah. some more adult kind of films you know but those you usually see from europe or japan more than the us yeah i think the success of you know both uh arcan and, and love test and robots yeah. and those series that are not specifically for for kids are part of you know expanding the the audience that's that. uh, that that's for yeah, sure yeah. definitely uh, something you touched on rapidly with the crowds. Is there any other part where any parts of Pipeline innovated for the development of this uh, particular project at DreamWorks? Oh my God, so much, so much. I mean, like uh, all of the effects, you know, style that is like effects that are that look like 2D animation. Sometimes they are full on 2D animation, uh, on twos or on ones. 
we we built a whole library of uh, of of 2D sprites um, that we incorporated in 2D in the in the in the effects pipeline. Uh, all of the look itself, which feels painterly, it's like all of that was some dev work just to feel like it was it was done, you know, without using actual actual like photographic textures. You know, it was more stylized textures. Um, so much was so much was done for the line work on the characters, uh, for the for the for the rendering of the fur, you know, that is not so we don't see every strand of hair. It's just much more like uh, uh, how would you say uh, hinted than shown, you know. Um, oh yeah, tons of work. We had a whole vehicle system development. We had uh, for the traffic, you know, traffic in the city. You know, all of that was automated. It was nothing was done by hand. Like I mean, somebody just took the time to freaking create like a, an arm like like automated <laughs> a traffic machine know, path and <laughs> traffic machine um no we had tons of dev of course of course yeah the, the next one you kind of touching a little bit uh, how was the uh, stylistic look effect in the film achieved so i'm assuming a mix of lighting shading compositing uh because it does have a pretty distinct uh stylistic uh, look to it you're talking the overall look right yes yeah there's a lot that goes into it. So first of all, is that you know you uh, the first thing we did was I wanted a, a, a feeling that nothing was perfect, everything was a little gritty, and and there was no uh, there was no 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 not the perfection from the computer. So every angle was broken down in modeling. So there was no you know if you made a cube, you wouldn't be able to leave it like that. So they had to break up all the angles. So it felt a little mushy, a little just lived in kind of thing. But exaggerated. Everything was slightly also a little bit inflated, uh, and then texture-wise, it was like using brush strokes from the art department, like more brush strokes than 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 actual photographs. Um, we had a lot of line work that we had to implement in there and just make that work in three D within the you know within the camera. Um, we had um, uh, you know that kind of a painterly look. It was kind of more like a post process that we added on top. You know that you could really choose the areas where you want to see more or less painterly. Uh, we had 2D effects. You know, uh, all of the effects was in 2D. CFX was sometimes on twos, sometimes on 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 ones. Uh, obviously, the animation style itself, which is we talked about it a little bit. You know, we had also a lot of you know, on-screen effects, kind of like speed lines going on, like like that. But that also we trickled on into the background and do those kind of uh, speed lines that were blended with the with the background um effects on like the way that you know the wheels of a car rotate you know you have those lines on it or on the rotor of a of a of a, of a helicopter you would see that um anim lines as well so we talked about it kind of smears um so all of that combined just kind of gives you that look you know uh and there's more more, more than that to it but uh but those are the big 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 aspects that we, we use also the crowd stuff that i was talking about where you know kind of blending in feeling like yeah. the flow of Characters. So, um, a lot of it, and obviously, character design itself is also very different. Yeah. So, it's really just everything together that provides a certain yep. result at, at, at the course. end. And it's a lot. And in the end, you're like, is it, does it feel that different <laughs> or not? You know, so that was the idea, also, you know, because in a way, Spider Verse was very pushed. Uh, but the audience was also, at some point, at the very beginning, was a little lost about it. You know, they were like, it was so pushed, so different. For us in the industry, we were like, oh my God, this is fantastic. You know, but I think for our general audience, you know, sometimes they could have been, I think, a little uh, flustered in a way. Like, I've never seen this before. What is this? You know, 
I think we ended up in a, something that's a little bit more conventional than what they've done, uh, but still approachable and still understandable and also still pushed, you know, so yeah, it's, it's very interesting. After a while, when you work in a movie like this and you're just immersed into that style, you don't even know that it's different. And then you release it to the world and everybody's like, oh my God, that's different. Oh yeah, that's right. That's what we are doing. We're <laughs> doing something different, you know. <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, another one here. So what advice would you give to an animator that wish to direct their own movies and tell their own stories? Uh, and I can maybe add to that in a professional, so you know, don't just go in and take it on your side, but how to maybe work to, towards being a professional uh, director eventually. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And I think every, every director or everyone would have a different answer to it. For me, it's like, you know, first of all, what really helped me as a director was to be uh, exposed to uh, a lot of the different, uh, as I was saying earlier, a lot, of, a lot of different processes of production, you know, whether it's animation or storyboard or like uh, modeling on the different departments and uh, all these devs. Um, that helped me really have an understanding of the whole pipeline. Um, and also like a, a, a kind of a being able to shape my eye and um, but that's one way to do it so I kind of did my classes you know uh, and ended up in a very weird way just into that role because I ended up directing something um, almost let's say by luck you know and then loving it so much that I want, then I pushed to do that feature but um, the most common way would be you know, be an animator. Also, I would say try to still dip your uh, dip your feet into other other departments, specifically, you know, either uh, editorial or or storyboarding, uh, because that helps in terms of sense of story. You know, of the story itself, and then and then and then develop stuff and go pitch pitch around. You know, um, and start small. You don't need to go straight to like the big blockbuster movies and whatnot. Just it could be a small. Uh, it could be a small uh, short film that you could uh, crowd down or but it's also about having the impulse to do it and just wanting to carry that it's uh, it's a lot of work as we all know and so you, you want to be really sure that you know your story resonates with you and you have a clear vision you know clear, having a clear vision is super helpful um, and then work with a producer definitely you know if you can find someone that helps you guide you through this it's, it's always great but pitch it around Pitch, pitching around or pitching in your studio some ideas depending on the studio some studios don't even want to listen but some of them do um uh and keep on doing that you know keep on training yourself to pitch ideas and just develop those ideas so you, you mentioned that that for you maybe more the um uh, you know uh the writing side and the uh, uh, directing actors was one part that you had to 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 learn uh, what, if you had a top, uh, let's say a top three of other skills in animation for any animator, that would probably be the most important uh, to to develop, to maybe direct uh, one day. Because when you're a director, you literally have to do 30 different things at all times. Yeah. But what would be the most, in your opinion, the most important other thing other than animation to develop? A, a strong story sense. Um, that's... Uh... I mean, again, remember, you're never alone doing this. You always have a team of people helping you out. And so the, 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 the main thing to me to have is really have a clear vision of what you want to do uh, in terms of, you know, a little bit in terms of story, but also in terms of how you execute your film, what kind of, what kind of, what would it, what will it look like in the end? You know, if you're not, if it's not coming from your, if it's not your own idea that you're doing as a director, 
if it's something that's brought on to you, what the what the producers and your studios are looking for is like, what is your voice, you know? And so therefore it's like, what does it look? What kind of animation do you want to see? What kind of jokes? How do you film this? You know, the cinematography and the, the style of that, that's all your voice, you know, we have music um, and that's really your own personality. And I think that's the most important because that's, that's what the director is supposed to do. Secondly, of course, being a leader, that's probably the mo the first one, by the way. Uh, so being able to lead a big team and just being able to inspire and just keep people energized all the time. Uh, directing actors, I think to me, is all about being a human person and human being and being to connect, able to connect with uh, somebody who is like incredibly sensitive uh, because actors usually are very, very sensitive. And so how do you connect and, 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 and uh, translate your instructions uh, or, or guide them through a scene. But as an animator, you understand acting, you understand staging usually. And so therefore, I don't think it's the hardest thing to do uh, personally. Um, screen write, uh, script writing, but you have a writer with you and you have a, a head of story whose job is to also, also just help you through the story. This is an important point for sure. But this one, I kind of learned it on the, on the way a little bit more, just really just sharpening my, my teeth during this film. I was, I learned a lot on that department. That was really something I was not as, com as comfortable with. Um, so I would say have a vision, being, being able to have a vision. So a graphic vision, a storytelling vision, a cinematic vision, um, uh, being able to uh, also a little bit of story sense. And I would say camera sense, you know, just understanding camera and how you shoot the scene and, and how you cut a scene, you know, that's, mm. that's, uh, that's probably the bulk of it. All right, we're almost out of time, so let me. Can go we do with... like a super speed round with like ten second answers to get through a bunch of yeah, other questions? Sure. All right. Will there be a? a <laughs> I don't know if you can answer this one, but a bad guys two or TV series? Both, hopefully. <laughs> Both, hopefully. <laughs> all right. Good. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's go with this one. Uh, how do you not get depressed after so many cancellations? <laughs> I'm a very uh, positive person, so yeah, keep on going, and then and tr 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 trusting the universe to give me what I want. <laughs> awesome. Um, uh, what's going to be your next movie feature, if you if if you already know? I don't know yet. I don't know yet. Uh, still kind of processing that. You know, let me let me just uh, come out of this one. <laughs> but I have I have ideas of originals eventually a sequel. Awesome. Cool. Um, who is your favorite bad guys from, from crew and why? I think it's both for me, just because, as I said earlier, there's a lot of myself into this character. <laughs> All right. Sense. And let, just a last one. Also um, because Ben Willis is super hot. <laughs> I'm glad we've been able to cover this before the end of, of the stream. We actually need to have Ben Willis in, in our totally you should the best one. Yes. Oh yeah, JP for sure. Uh, were there any deleted scenes or content? If so, are you able to tell us about them? Let's finish with this one. Uh, no, we never deleted any scenes final when we when they were all finished. Um, I mean, maybe a few shots here and there, but but not a whole sequence. But we deleted scenes from storyboard. Yes, we deleted quite a few, of course, and just rethought things. And uh, for instance, the training section when they are at Marmalade, 
when we read the script and started plotting the movie and just putting it on, on screen, it was like, this is going to be so easy. It's just like a stupid thing that they're going to do and it's the montage and whatever. It turned out to be the hardest thing to figure out. And it looks so silly on screen, but we went through so many different variants and never was able, were able to actually get it right. Um, incredibly complex. For, and it doesn't look complex. Again, if you, if we have a heist during a dance scene with a put on emotional turn for a character that was in a way easier to figure out than that um, <laughs> montage at Marmalade's place. Uh, uh, I don't know why, I don't know why. And that's, that's the surprise of storytelling in, in, in movie making. Um, so that, that definitely tons of the digit, uh, version of that sequence. Um, you know, we, we had quite a few, but always in storyboards. I know we had one in layout that we had finished and we lost. Pierre, cool. thank you so much for, for your time. Again, it, it went too fast. We could have yeah, easily go for an, another, uh, uh, <laughs> another hour. Sure. Yeah, of course. but uh, uh, thanks a lot. And definitely congrats for the uh, both critical and commercial success of the, the movie. That's uh, that's you. pretty amazing. I was hoping to see it before the, the, the stream, but I didn't have the... You haven't seen it yet? Uh, not yet, not yet. I, I thought maybe uh, somewhere I could just purchase it for 30 bucks or, or, or something. <laughs> well, There's some it of those. should be out in a, in a week or so, I think, maybe. Yeah, think but I'll, I'll, I'll probably, you know, do uh, go all in and, and go at the uh, theater to... You should bring Vincent, he's going he's gonna to... Oh, I will, I will bring all of them, all, all of the yeah, family. Yeah. I'll drag all the family yeah, with totally. me. Perfect, let's do that. <laughs> awesome. That was great right, to, you guys. to have you. Thank you, Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, of Jacob, course. Thanks as well. Bye, Bye guys. Everybody. Bye. All right. Let's do this. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for uh, being part of this stream. Again, we try to I try to go to as much question as I could. Uh, I know that there was a, a few that were unanswered, but thanks again for sending all of those questions. Uh, next week, we have Jason Snyman. Uh, Jason has been a prolific uh, animator, and right now he's working a lot with uh, the uh, Ragdoll. So maybe some of you have seen some of his uh, Batman and Dragon animation popping up online, which is pretty insane. He did a demo that he animated in 20 minutes, something that could have realistically take many days uh, for most senior animators. So we're going to have him uh next uh next week um so yeah and hopefully we'll have our uh main Osborne george coming back again uh, next week so i think that's it for now have a good day thanks for tuning tuning in and see you next time bye thanks for listening to this episode we hope you got a lot out of it Agora Community is a free resource for artists in the animation, visual effects and gaming industries, providing daily educational material, free rigs and assets. We also have a range of experts you can purchase affordable animation reviews from to help you level up your skills. You can check it all out at agora.community. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn for updates on upcoming conversations and free animation quick tips. So. Until next time, stay tuned and stay animated.